Hey everyone, welcome back to the Westbridge Church Podcast. To learn more about Westbridge Church, including our service times, visit us online at westbridgedanville.com. This week's message comes from Pastor John McDougall, and we hope it encourages you to take your next step in your faith journey. Well, good morning, church family. It's good to, good to be together as, as we were praying and just reflecting on what Christ has done for us. I was thinking back of uh, back in church history class in uh, seminary, and I learned the early church, you know, the, the pinnacle of every uh, worship service was communion, it was the cross, and it led to that, and you just uh, sense that um, it's at the cross, we, we receive all that we need, and it just readies our soul, refreshes our soul for what's to come, and we could pray and, and just be done today, but we have a, uh, a word from the Lord that I am excited to dive into in Ephesians chapter 4 that is so good, and we'll get into uh, that in just a moment, but before we do, <clears throat> as we move through this Thanksgiving season, one of the, the nudges on my heart was, was just to encourage us as a church family to to exercise our gratitude muscle every week. So when we gather, wouldn't it be neat if, if we just uh, took time to say thank you to, and specifically thank you to the Lord, but as he pours his grace through the people around us, just to say thank you and be a, a, a body full of gratitude. Colossians chapter 2, 7 says, you know, it calls us to live our lives anchored and rooted in Christ. And at the end of that, it's so that we would, or one of the outflows is overflowing with gratitude. So that's our goal. Now, I can hardly believe I'm about to ask for the help of, of this gentleman to, to get us started in flexing our, our gratitude muscle, but of all people, it is Tom Brady. But I saw a clip of this quarterback that we battled for so many years. JT's giving me the eye, man, sorry. <laughs> but uh, you, maybe you saw this this week, but what a little voice says at the end just has stuck with me and, and moved me to gratitude. So we'll roll this clip. Chris Godwin had come over and told me, hey, you know, behind the bench, you know, there's a little boy, you know, look, look over. So I kind of caught a glimpse and then saw his dad and his dad said, you know, this is Noah, you made a video for him in, earlier this year. So I didn't know he was actually at the game. Yeah, I'm like in shock. I like don't really believe it's happening. He sticks the hat on my head, he shakes my hand and he says, he says something like, nice job, buddy. And I see you. Tom him lay that hat on his head, like on his little, right over his scars. If you could say something to Tom Brady right now, what would you say? Thank you. I mean, like, that's all I really have to say, thank you. I'm sorry, so hard not to Thank you. That, uh, as I've been thinking about that image, keeps coming back to my mind. Of, in that little guy's heart, it's pure gratitude. And as followers of Christ, we have been given so much. And you think about this boy's gratitude for just a, a, a human who's accomplished a few things on a field and so grateful. We have a king who has given us blessing after blessing. And it just encourages us this week to take moments to pause and, and think about the goodness of God poured out in our lives. And 
One of the ways that we experience His goodness, even in real time right now, is the freedom that we enjoy to worship, the freedom that we enjoy to do all that, that we enjoy as, as citizens of this nation. But we know that our freedom is not free. Evil is ever present, and there are those who have given their lives, sacrificed, and continue to serve to stand, at, at stand guard, to protect the peace that we enjoy and our freedom as a nation. And this week, we'll celebrate Veterans Day, but I thought we'd get started this morning and just take a moment to thank those who either have served or are serving in our armed forces. And so I'll um, read through the forces, and then if, if you would stand, and we'll uh, recognize once everyone is standing. If you have served in the United States Air Force, would you please stand? The United States Army. The United States Coast Guard. The United States Marines. The United States Navy. And the, the United States Space Force. As these men and women stand, I am reminded that around each of them is a circle of family who uh, share the sacrifice. And we can't say thank you enough for what you've done for us. Would you join me in thanking them? Let's pray. Father, we just pause to say thank you for the way that you have blessed our nation, Lord. And we know we're relatively a relatively young nation. And you have uh, blessed us with peace. You've blessed us with freedom. But we know that this has come at great cost. And we thank you for these men and women who have stood in our, in our church family. And, and we know um, we, the many, many others who have served. And we thank you for giving them willing hearts, for protecting them, for being with them and their families. Lord, we pray for those who continue to serve today that you would protect them, that you would watch over them in every way. And Lord, we pray for our nation that you would preserve our freedom, preserve our peace. And as a church family, we pray, and as your church throughout the world, that we would be a peacemaking force. Lord, you have been so good to us. And as we open your word now, we thank you for the freedom that we have through Jesus, your sacrifice, to be alive and able to follow you, able to do what you've called us to do. And we pray this in the powerful name of Jesus. Amen. All right, well, today we uh, come to a text that often when we open it, before I dive into the, the message or the, the text for the day, we take a minute just to say, we call it an I love his church moment and just celebrate God's grace flowing through our church family throughout the week just to thank him for what, what he's doing. Well, today's text is like an entire I love his church moment. And just to give us a, a preview, it's Ephesians chapter 4, verses 7 to 16. But what God will do in this text is give us a glimpse or an, an understanding of our anatomy as his body, as the body of Christ. He, he will show us how we're put together and then how we're created to function. And the value in it or the gift of this text is when we understand our anatomy, like, okay, this is how God designed us, it helps us to practice or live a life 
that, that leads to health, strength, and maturity as his body so that we might do what God's called us to do. It was uh, Matt Portwood, who is, uh, owns Chronic Health, uh, right there down by uh, Kroger, uh, was helping a client this week, and I happened to talk to one of his clients, and, and they were explaining how the conversation was so helpful because Matt explained the anatomy of the uh, physiology of, of uh, diet and exercise and all those things in this way. And Matt, correct me if I'm wrong, I'm a, I'll probably butcher this, but in essence, we all have a, a carb, car, we'll call it a carbohydrate uh, can. What, what's the word? Um, what's that? Capacity. Okay, and so, you know, when we need carbs, carbs give us energy to go do a, what we're supposed to do. But if, if we're stuffing that carb capacity and especially um, with, with carbs, and, and we're not letting them out or using that energy, and they overflow, and I understand you, especially at night if we're having that late-night snack of carb, 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 and it's just overflowing. That's a bad thing for the body. And this person was sharing, man, that picture of the carb capacity, and, and I need to every day drain the carb tank, really helped me to do healthy habits. And so it's that idea. When we understand our anatomy and how we are to work together as the body of Christ, there are some... Um, we're going to look at four healthy practices or practices that lead to health and strength as the body of Christ that flow out of this text. So that's where we're going. Now, before we get there, I thought it would be helpful today just to pan out from the church and think about for a moment the big picture of what God is doing in history over time. So, and the word here is kingdom. It, have you ever wondered why Jesus only said the word church three times. In all of his teaching, we only see him say church three times. But he is constantly preaching about the kingdom. 54 times in Matthew alone, he says kingdom. So you say, okay, what, what does he have in mind? He was, seek first the kingdom and, and his righteousness. He taught us to pray, your kingdom come, your will be done. What does he have in mind? Okay, the kingdom of God is the universal rule and reign of, of God. It's um, over all things, the universe, and all time. And it's, it's helpful to know that the kingdom is not that complicated. There's three, only three things you need to make up the kingdom of God. Three parts to, to his kingdom. Uh, the king, citizens of the kingdom, and the law of God. It leads to life and flourishing. So you ask, okay, what about what God is doing here on earth in, in, in our time, in, our, in this place in history? You take the earth... God created the earth to reflect um, and put us in it, to be uh, his image bearers. We're made in his image, co-creators, to, uh, to enjoy him, to know him, to be fruitful and multiply and fill the earth with his glory. We exist for the, for the glory of God as we live under his authority as king. But what happened? And we know Genesis 3, here's the revolt. Adam, and, and what's at the essence of the revolt and the sin that... that fractured um, this world as, we, as it was meant to be. It was Adam saying, not his will be done, but my will be done. I want to be king of my life. And that revolt is present in every human heart. No one had to teach us how to say no <laughs> to our parents. It's my life is at the heart of, of every revolt that fractures our relationship with God, our own soul, and the relationships around us. So what, what is God what has he done? We have a king who clothed himself in humanity. Jesus came for us to rescue us to a revolution of love and redemption. 
where he, he restores the kingdom of God beginning in our heart. Jesus took our sin upon himself, our guilt, died in our place, offers forgiveness and entrance back into the kingdom of God, a right relationship with God, with each other, and with, with our own soul that it, um, to everyone who believes in him. It's through faith in Jesus Christ alone. And so we, uh, I think most of us in this room, and if you haven't, his invitation is open to you today to receive him as Savior and King, Lord. When we truly believe, understand who he is, we kneel and say, your will be done in, in my life and, and around me. So it brings us back to the question, okay, I understand God is, is he is, this is his kingdom, he's created us, um, but, how, but still, how do, where does the church fit into this? Okay, when Jesus left, he, he leaves us with many promises, but three are especially relevant. He said, I will build my church, and the gates of hell will not prevail against it. The king is going to build his church, which if you needed a word of encouragement today, that's confidence building, isn't it? Like, we don't have to do this thing. <laughs> it's not on us. The king of all the universe is building his church and will build his church and nothing will stop it. Two, he said, I will be with you to the end of the age. So his presence in his church is everything. John 15, he said, apart from me, you can do nothing, but with me, you will bear much fruit. Today, in these moments, Jesus Christ, obviously present, actively in charge, is our confidence, our joy. Um, he is with us in these moments. Third promise, he said, I will give you a helper. Don't try this until he comes. Acts 1.8 says, you know, um, wait until this. When the helper comes, and we know is the Holy Spirit, then you will be empowered to be my witnesses. And then he gave us a mission, job, job description in Matthew 28, where he says, go make disciples of all nations baptizing them in the name of the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit. So it brings us back to the question, though, okay, what is a church? What is the church? The church is when you get more than one Jesus follower gathered, huddling together to worship the Lord, to follow him, to make disciples, you have a, a church that forms, and it is an embassy of the kingdom of heaven on earth in enemy territory. That's the church. That what, that's what makes it unique in this time. The church hasn't always been. Why? God is doing a new thing. It's, the church is called, ek, the, the Greek word is ekklesia. Ek means out, ekklesia, calling. We've been called out. You say called out from where? The place where the revolt's happening. Where, wherever, um, and in this world, where people do not bow their knee to, to God, um, we've been called out of that to be a, a group of a kingdom people who are uh, seeking to follow the king. We, what is common in each, of our, each church and what unites us, we, we're bowing our knee to the king. We're following the king. We, you have to have citizens. So when we come together as local churches, we are affirming one another's citizenship in the kingdom of heaven. How do we do that? We profess our faith to one another. We say, I, I believe that Jesus, is, Jesus Christ is Lord. And, but what's the outward symbol of this. It's baptism, right? It's where we make that public declaration of faith, and then we, uh, and then communion is our family meal together. And then the 
Third thing that we have is a law. What's the law in every church? Jesus gave it to us in John 13, 34, 35. It's love. We, we have the law of love. And you can hang every other command under, in, the, in the Bible under the law of love. A love for God that plays out in a love for one another. So, the question still remains, okay, if, if, if we are embassies of heaven, embassies of God's kingdom, um, here in enemy territory, what, how do we do this? How do we live as his representatives to be his light, to be his presence in enemy territory? How? And what's the answer? It's the letters. It's the letters. God spoke through his spirit to the apostles, those who had seen the risen Christ, saying, tell the church this. And a letter was written to the Christians, the embassy in Rome. And a letter was written to the embassy in Ephesus and Corinth and Galatia and Philippi. And Peter writes letters, a letter to the Christians that had been persecuted and exiled. And in the letters, we discover, okay, this is how it works. This is what we're to be doing. And, and God speaks through his word written to the, through the letters to us. And that's why we're in Ephesians. Does that make sense? Isn't that neat? So in Ephesus, then, or in Ephesians 4, we learn, okay, this is the anatomy of a church. This is how God put us together, and these are four practices that we're to follow. So with that, we will dive into Ephesians chapter 4, verse 7. Three observations, then we'll get to the four practices. But verse 7 says, but each one of you, speaking of each of us, each follower of Christ, to each of us, grace has been given as Christ apportioned it. So first observation, what's true of us? Each of us have been gifted by God to serve one another. The word grace there is translated in other places, gift. It's that idea of serving grace. It's not saving grace, but it's the capacity to serve one another. And notice it's Christ who apportions this grace. It's a neat picture that, that our Lord, um, and what this text will go on to, the picture that, that will just uh, amplify in verses uh, 8 and 9. When Jesus ascended to heaven, he ascended as a conquering king. He rose from the dead to verify all of his truth claims. But as he ascended as king to his throne, he was giving out gifts to his people, to us. Picture of a conquering king. And what are our gifts? It's the spiritual gifts, gifts of the spirit by, th through which we serve one another. The picture there is in verse 8 and nine, eight to 10 as he says, this is why it says when he ascended on high, he's quoting Psalm 68, 18, he took many captives and gave gifts to his people. What does he ascended mean? Except that he also descended to the, to the lower earthly region. Speaking of our Lord's coming to earth, the incarnation, he who descended is the very one who ascended higher than all the heavens in order to fill the, the whole universe. So as the, the body of Christ, each of us is gifted, we are also equipped. Check it out, verse 11 to 13, it says, so Christ gave the apostles, those who had seen Christ, the risen Christ and have been called by him to be an apostle, the prophets, the evangelists, the pastors and the teachers. So servant leaders, God, it's Jesus who has given the church these leaders for what purpose? Here it is, to equip his people for works of service so that the body of Christ, the church, may be built up. 
until we all reach unity in the faith and in the knowledge of the Son of God and become mature. It's that idea of, uh, be, the word is teleon, but it's strong to do everything that God would, would want us to do so that we might become mature, attaining to the whole measure of the fullness of Christ. As a church family, we often talk about being fully devoted followers of Christ, but this is the picture of a group of people fully devoted to Christ. And how do we get there? Well, we've been gifted by God, but we have also, we see here, we are equipped through servant leaders who teach us the Word of God, help us understand who we are, who He is, what He's called us to, so that we might serve one another. This is a paradigm shift when you understand and really shapes how we do uh, church here at Westbridge and um, how the, the church is meant to function. He says, when you think about who's the minister in this church, who, who would you say is the minister? And sometimes you think, well, it's the pastor, or it's the elders, or the, the pastoral staff. But what this text teaches us is the leaders of the church, those who God has called to be servant leaders of the church, are to equip his people for ministry, which means we're all ministers. Every member of the body of Christ is a minister and has been equipped, it should be equipped through the, the, the ministry of the, the servant leaders who are sharing the word of God. So neat picture. So Sundays, it's, I, when I stand to preach or anyone else stands to preach or those who teach or lead small groups, we're all thinking, okay, the job is not for me to do the ministry, but rather join you in doing the ministry, but equip the team to, with what you need to accomplish what God desires to accomplish through you as you serve in your, uh, your context. And then the third observation we see is that uh, verses 14 to 16, where he says this, then, if this is all happening, we're gifted, we're equipped, then we'll no longer be infants tossed back and forth by the waves, blown here and there by every wind of teaching and by the cunning and craftiness of people and their de deceitful scheming. So instead of being like a little kid getting rocked by the waves in the, the ocean by this trend, that trend, this teaching, that teaching, instead, verse 15, he says, speaking the truth in love, we will become in every respect the mature body of him who is the head, that is Christ, and from him, the whole body joined and held together by every supporting ligament grows and builds itself up in love as each part does its work. So the third observation here is that we, as we are gifted, as we are equipped and um, come together and, and do life together, we will be growing up to be the, the mature body of Christ. Pretty neat picture that God's desire for us, his intention for us is to be a mature strong, healthy reflection of, of who he is right here in this time and this place. To which you immediately you ask, well, how are we doing? You know, how are we, are we mature? And the answer is we're always in a, a state of seeking to become mature as we're always going to be, um, there are always threats to our own maturity and, and just staying locked in on Christ, but also hopefully we're reaching people who are growing up. We have new generations who are growing up, and so we're always seeking to become mature. How do we um, maintain maturity, maintain health? How do we grow into this place rather than being a child in our faith and, and vulnerable to this place of strength? And this is where we see four core practices or, or healthy practices emerge in this text. The first one is 
There in verse 15, he says, instead, speaking the truth in love, we will grow to become, in every respect, the mature body. So the first practice is that we're, as we do life together, we're speaking the truth of God's word in love with each other. I think most pretty probably not new information to all of us, but I just want to reignite us around this that God has given us his word, and as we interact, be looking for opportunities just to be sharing the word of God with each other. You know, I hope may it be a part of our conversation and encouragement, and just that I often, for me, it's usually, there's usually one word from God I'm living on during a week, you know, that I really need. And I'm just locked in on that verse. And often there'll be opportunities for me to share that verse with, with somebody else. But notice what he says. We speak the truth in love. The context, the tone, the, uh, the culture. Our culture is saturated with the love of Christ. Back a couple years, it became somewhat popular for, for preaching to go smash mouth, you know, and just like, bah, hit people in the teeth with the truth. And almost, like, that was like the, the cool thing to do in the church. And as that was going on, I'm thinking to myself, okay, wait a minute. Love is patient. Love is kind. And love is not rude. But that guy preaching, like, if you were to have a conversation with someone and you, would, you were to, like, the coffee shop and you say it the way that guy said it to the church family, I'd take that as rude. It's not loving. Jesus is, calls us to gentleness. And it's so uh, good to remember and not be swayed by the various trends of culture or whatever. Locked in on this reality that it's always to be in love as we interact with each other. Second practice. So we're speaking the truth in love. Second, we're relying on Christ as our head. Notice there in verses 15, 16, he says, okay, we're speaking the truth in love. We will grow up to become in every respect the mature body of him who is the head, that is Christ. From him, the whole body, joined and held together by every supporting ligament, grows and builds itself up in love. And here we just see that radical dependence on our Lord, on Christ. And that we're just looking to him at every, in every way as we do life together as, as his followers our constant prayer is in this picture of he is the king and we're constantly praying, Lord, your will be done. It's easy to let our focus shift from him to our will or often it's another human. Like we just like this person's, how they're leading or their style or their, and we, we go trend to trend and here God keeps calling us back to, okay, the way that we grow up, the way that we stay strong, mature is locked in on Jesus Christ. Christ is our head. We look to him, we, we, in every category, he is the one we're following. And then the uh, third practice, we're connecting with his body like a ligament. Love this picture. There in verse 16, he says, every, we're uh, from him, the whole body joined and held together by every supporting ligament grows and builds itself up in love. So we are, as a body, every one of us is necessary like ligaments or body parts. So just love that picture of, you know, the ACL holding the PCL, holding the knee bone, holding the hamstring so Jonathan Taylor can take it 75 yards for a touchdown for the Colts. The, uh, and in the body of Christ, we need each other like that. Today, Mitch uh, Irving was with us. Mitch blew an Achilles a couple weeks ago, praying for his recovery. But, you know, it's been tough. He's 
laid out because one ligament goes down. And I think about the body of Christ and just how God's saying, okay, we're supporting each other like ligaments. We're, we're staying connected. We're, um, we're engaged and hanging on to each other and, and we're there for each other. We're praying, we're loving, we're, we're um, lifting up, encouraging like a ligament. The challenge today would be, okay, are, are you connected? Are you engaged like a ligament? And if not, what's that next step? One of the pictures that helps me as I think about our journey, spiritual journey, is the three C's. So we have, a, if you've come to faith in Jesus Christ, you've um, taken that public stance of baptism and you've engaged in the local church. You've become a member of a local church. You're serving and you, you understand who we are as a body and you're locked in and you're going like a ligament. We call this committed. You know, you're committed, and that's where we want to be, and living in that state of committed. But um, outside the committed, perhaps, big, big picture, you have the community. This is, the eight, in our 15 to 20-mile radius, the 80,000 people who may not have a church family, may not know Christ, but we're, as a church, always welcoming them and inviting them and, and just praying that, that they would be a part of a church family. But the journey towards committed is you go from community to crowd there's a season when you're in the stands versus the playing field. You're checking out the church. Maybe you're just seeing if this church aligns with, um, is healthy and all those things. Or maybe it's you're not yet a Christian and you're checking out, okay, is, who is Jesus and the, the claims of Christ? That's a, uh, and that's a, legi- a, a place that, uh, if, if that's you here, this is a safe place to, to journey. But the danger is we get stuck in the crowd and we never take the step to be committed. God created us to be on the playing field, to be, you know, part of the body and, and just locked in. And so just encourage um, the, the challenge out of this text that, that just flows based on our anatomy is if, if you're not living like a ligament, take that step, you know, connect and, and you receive support, you will give support. So what's the next step? For us, it's uh, membership is one of the, those next steps, baptism. Um, encourage you to take that and would love to be at whatever help we can in, in you taking that small group involvement as well. And then the fourth practice. So we're connecting with this body like a ligament. Fourth, we are playing our part. Check it out, verse 16. He says, by every supporting ligament grows, builds itself up in love as each part does his work. It's neat to think that God has gifted each one of us to do what only we can do, you have a unique personality, ex- life experiences. Um, there's no other person like you. And so when you bring what you can bring, you, you fulfill a part that only you can fulfill. And likewise, when, when you're, we're not connected, the body lacks and, and is missing what, what we can give it. And so the challenge is that, that we're playing the part that God has given us to play. And it's been so neat to watch um, illustration after illustration of this playing out as we are a local body here in this community coming together, each one playing our part in what God does. And the Trunk or Treat event we had as an outreach event just to be a welcoming presence to our community was so neat in that the only way for a Trunk or Treat event to happen was I think we had 22 people who did their own trunk. But each trunk was very different very creative, um, and each person standing outside of their trunk was one more, was a unique welcome to somebody who may not have had a 
may not have had a church home or a, a, new to the area or new to our church. It was, and I was, isn't that cool? We, it's a picture of the body of Christ. Everybody just showing up, doing your own little thing, and boom, the whole thing works together, and God's um, work moves on. And that's an illustration, many other ways that that, that is happening. Okay, so bringing it all together. We are the body of Christ. To help us understand what the church is, God uses this metaphor of a body. So as his body, we have been gifted by Christ, each one of us given grace, his empowering grace to serve. We have been equipped as ministers to serve one another. So the the leaders, God has given the church to equip us to be active in our, our service. So we're as we gather, we, we serve one another. As we scatter, we're, we're strong to go out and be the light because we've been equipped. And we are uh, the third, uh, we're, we're created to grow up, to be mature, to be strong. So um, staying like a kid is, is not where we want to be. We want to be strong, healthy, and, and mature. This is God's intention for us. So how do we get there? What's the, the healthy habit that leads us that way? And the first is we're speaking truth in love. Second, we're, we're relying on Christ as our head. Third, we're uh, connecting like a ligament with each other. And then fourth, each one of us is playing our part. Now, when we are mature, when we are strong, healthy as the body of Christ, what happens? What happens? Isn't it a neat picture? The kingdom, we're praying your kingdom come, your will be done. His kingdom comes, his will gets done in our hearts, in our church family, and then as we go out as his witnesses, make disciples that make disciples, the glory of God fills the earth. It's going to happen, guys. It's like Jesus said, I'm building my church, and hell's not stopping it. (laughs) And I just love the picture of God's glory through his church. So, how are we doing? Statistics, this was before COVID, but from uh, one of the church planning group, Exponential, said that uh, 80% of churches in our country were either on the decline or plateauing. By God's grace at Westbridge, we are growing as a church family, but our passion is not just to add members. We want to multiply. We want to reproduce. Jesus said, make disciples of all nations, and so our passion is to see that happen. And um, by God's grace, it is happening. Thanks to the part that you are playing, your generosity today in real time, we get to be a part of a mission team, a church planting team that is going to Costa Rica, not just to plant a church, but to plant a church that will plant churches for the kingdom, embassies of the kingdom of God, where it is dark light of the gospel coming that will transform lives, see people enter a right relationship with God for his glory. Amen. We get to be a part of that, and it's Eddie and Sarah Ferguson and their family, and so appreciate them coming today just weeks, I think three weeks off of a a safe arrival of a new little one, but would you join me in welcoming Eddie and Sarah? (laughs) If you were encouraged by today's talk and believe it would be helpful for others, please be sure to subscribe or share. To experience other messages or find helpful resources, visit us online at westbridgedanville.com.